The Pinball Network is online. Launching Free Play Pinball Podcast. What's up, everybody? Welcome to Free Play Pinball Podcast, episode 22. I am your host, Amanda Hamilton. Riding semi-solo tonight, I have one of my favorite people in the whole wide world, JJP designer Eric Minier, the designer of their most recent release, Godfather, as of last week. Uh, what's up, Eric? I'm sitting here, enjoying life. It's been it's been one week since launch and things are going very well. It's been a hell of a week since launch. Um, it sure has. I'm kind of mad at you. Okay. You're like yeah, and I'm used to that from yep. you know. Yeah, that is, that's what happens when you're a pinball designer. A lot of people get kind of mad at you. Kind or... kind of mad. Mike, my husband, um, mm-hmm. he got to travel for work to Chicago last week. I think like late last week, like Thursday, Wednesday, Thursday ish, and he had some free time. So he got to go to JJP and do a tour. Yes, he did. Hmm. I personally gave Mike that tour, and I gave him the biggest hug ever, and he said he would pass it on to you. It's not Ooh. my fault that that hug did not get passed Ooh. on. Well, that explains why he's been taking long showers. Now, <laughs> <laughs> no, all jokes aside, that was very, very cool, because that is something that he and I have both always wanted to do, is go up and do a tour, not during a show, because you guys are so swamped with all of the yes. people, so... Thank you for doing that. I know there was a little bit of coordination. I know you were crazy busy. That's like 48 hours after game release. And you yep. had already done two tours that day? Uh, at least two. Yeah, I think I think Mike was a third or fourth. Um, there were several people flying in for the Nationals, the Pinball Nationals, mm-hmm. that were held at District 82. So quite a few people stopped by the factory if they landed in O'Hare. Now that, uh, you know, the velvet ropes were off and people could come in and actually see the game and see the factory, uh, it was fun to be able to show it to a couple of people that I interact with on a semi-regular basis. Super, super cool. He had a lot of really cool things to say about the game. Number one, that it was gorgeous. Number two, he was terrified to to hip check it or tilt it or nudge it at mm-hmm. all because it still had plastic on it. <laughs> he was like, no, Eric was telling me, you know, you, know, you got to move the machine. And he's like... I can't. It's still wrapped. So I thought that was super cute. I'm going to start this kind of in the middle and then we'll go back to the beginning. You have a really cool animation role in that game. People can battle you. That's that's correct. So we came up with this concept of 10 different bad guys um, in the game. And during most of development, we call them bad guys. And then eventually we wound up changing the names to Capo Regime, which is how you would call someone a lieutenant uh in the mob or the mafia uh so the capos we wanted to come up with these characters and we gave them all personalities and we gave them all careers or or their legitimate jobs that they would be doing and we needed some faces for these characters and like well how about we start with me i'll be one of the faces yeah i have a face can we use mine (laughs) and then chose a couple other uh, friends that we work with at JJP and a couple of friends that we work with outside of JJP to be the 10 capo regimes. Um, there was there was concern that out of the gate, uh, people would not want to see animated characters getting punched in the face, getting black eyes and falling down and things like that. So by default, the capo regimes, as you're beating them up, what you're seeing on the screen is an FBI like wanted rap sheet shows the character in their profession. It's a static image. If you go into the settings, you can change it to be an animated fighter. 
And then you're seeing, you know, get hit from the left, get hit from the right. Their face is all groggy. They're talking smack. Uh, eventually, and they, they fall down after you've hit them enough. So myself and my good friend Mark Tremonti are the Corleone Capo Regimes. Nice. I've heard uh, of that guy before. We've got eight other friends and coworkers that are that are filling out the rest of the ranks of the other families. That animation was done by the incredibly, insanely, ridiculously talented Jean-Paul DeWitt. That animation in particular, actually, was done Ooh. by the incredibly talented, uh, very, very skilled Mark Molitor, who is our in-house okay. artist. Mark has been working at JJP for four years, five years. He does a lot of the work on screen. He does a lot of the 2D artwork that needs to get uh, addressed into games, things like decals or stickers or little like the patches and guns and roses mark was responsible for that mark's probably biggest piece that he's most known for is the standard edition art package on guns and roses so those roadster those guys in the desert that was all mark's uh drawing and mark took it upon himself to do this animation work to to take the characters and and draw over them and give them that animated look and then animate them so they're you know moving bobbing and weaving and getting punched in the face so you go to work one day and he's like hey i just need to see what you're gonna look like getting your ass kicked and you're like yes mm-hmm. mark so, call me i need to talk to you <laughs> yes we we set up a green screen uh, in our arcade and we took pictures and we took a lot of pictures and i'm like all right eric stand there look angry um look uh intimidated look woozy look like you're getting punched in the face. And so Ken Cromwell <laughs> was there. Mark was taking pictures and Ken's like, all right, I'm going to hit you with a right hook. And I had like this look on my face where my face is getting smushed <laughs> with Ken's fist into it. And then one from the other side too. And then eventually like a drowsy, like one more hit and then falling down. Yeah. And then, and then I'm out. Right. That is fan-freaking-tastic. Uh, yes. Ken, I, I, if you need an assistant, buddy, you have my number. No, but that is super cool. I love how involved you are in your games. And and like I said, we will go back to kind of the beginning and the concepts and everything. But the other thing that I thought was really cool on this was one of the first Easter eggs. So Chris Franchi was involved in the artwork on this. Yes. Very, very talented individual. His art packages are always amazing. And this game did not disappoint. Mm-hmm. And he always includes a lot of fun Easter eggs. And one of them is on the CE. There's yes. a um, a little Easter egg on the bottom of each corner. Yes, there is. There are two gangsters. And we wanted these gangsters to be there um, looking badass. And... Chris wound up drawing himself as one of them and drawing me as the other one. And so I had my signature red hat on, uh, <laughs> pinned it into a fedora. And then I had a tie pin that had an E on it. And I was wearing like a, you know, like a red shirt with a, with a black tie and the, the suit coat. It was really fun. And you'll also see that image of my likeness on the signature card. The collector's editions all have a signature card with them. But don't fret if you ever meet me in person. I am more than happy if you have any of my games to personalize and sign a signature card for you. Uh, it's always fun to see all the people who, who have the game or have played the game and, and want a little memento. So I have those with me generally at shows. And if you don't uh, meet me at a show, but you're a cool person, reach out to me. Uh, We can we can, you know, send you one of these cards in the mail. We can ship it to you. It's fun to to meet customers from around the world and, you know, give them a little 
memento that they can put in their game. You've always been very approachable. And and for our fans who have been listening since episode one, you were monumental in me getting into pinball. You were one of the people who really inspired me to fall in love with the game. We had bought our pirates. I hated the game. The first God, we unboxed it on location at a place. And I was like, this is the worst game I've ever played. Like, it, just, <laughs> it was fresh out of the box. I hated it. So naturally, we buy one. And mm-hmm. we don't just buy one. We we buy it. We go all in on a CE. Mm-hmm. And I mean, we sold that game and I cried. But watching you, because from time to time you stream and mm-hmm. you'll go through your games and you'll show different gameplay and different features and functionalities. And like your rules in your games are so in-depth that it's really cool. There's what, 22 characters and pirates that you can play yes. as. So you would go yep. through and say, okay, well, I play as, I always played as Elizabeth. Always. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Or Will, because Will's where you get your points. And you were like, well, I start with Tiadama because of this and this and this. And no joke, I changed my strategy and started as Tiadama. And I was like, holy shit, I just grand champion this game. Mm-hmm. You know, so it was cool things like that um, that I thought was really, really neat. But you helped me realize what that game was capable of and helped me understand deep rules and why they're so important, as well as fun shot. And then I, I had reached out to you a few times here and there and then met you at a show and like, you know, now it's like we we talk on a relatively regular basis, just with different things. But you've always been very helpful, pinball related. Like you've always been very helpful with different things. Like you knew that we had a part that we need for our was. So when Mike went to Jersey Jack, you remembered the part my husband forgot. <laughs> Thank you for that, by the way. Uh, you're I very welcome was to work but it's just it's so cool like because you i would see you at shows and fans would walk up to you and you never were just like there's somebody else Mm. all right i'll be back you you're always so engaged and you're just you're happy to see it i love that about this community and i love that about our designers in this community and you're definitely you know you're so involved in it so thank you for being approachable and for being involved and wanting to promote this. I think that's super cool. Of course. Uh, One of the most satisfying parts of what I do is meeting the people who play these games and hearing the stories of how these games have impacted their life. You know, there are many people who reached out to me during COVID about how, you know, the pinballs that they have in their homes kept them sane, kept them, you know, giving them smiles when the whole world was crumbling around them. Um, it it's was, it's was great, great distraction. It's a great distraction from reality because you truly one of the things that you you advertise on your games is you create a, a world under glass. Mm-hmm. You did that. I mean, with Guns and Roses, like we had never seen anything like that. Pirates, nobody knew how to take that because it was yeah. so so complex. Mm-hmm. And there was a little bit of controversy surrounding the release that people completely forgot once they realized how good it is. And now, I mean, if somebody can get a hold of a CE for less than $25,000, please call me because I'll probably buy it. <laughs> um, it better work. But yeah, you know, just when Guns N' Roses came out, you blew our minds. And you had such a great relationship with the band to make that game happen. And then, yeah. you know, Godfather was... The second worst kept rumor and secret in pinball in <laughs> Toy Story. You guys need to work on that. Um, mm-hmm. I was trying to push My Little Pony. Nobody bought it. But mm. it was one of those games that everybody was like, how does this translate to pinball? So let's let's go back to we're going to we're going to do the time machine. We're going to go in the tornado on walls here. We're going to go back to the start, the conception of Godfather. You started Godfather. How soon after? You started Guns N' Roses or after Guns N' Roses was released. I'm sorry. 
I started Godfather before Guns N' Roses was released. So when did you shoot your first Whitewood? Like Guns N' Roses? Uh, shot the so, first yeah. Whitewood about a month after uh, GNR was on the line, November of 2020. All right. So two years ago plus, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you're shooting a Whitewood. Um, you guys have that super CNC machine, your laser. Did you guys mm-hmm. ever name the laser? Uh, we did not name the laser, but we should come up with a name for the laser. Hmm. I think there should be a competition. Okay. We should name we the laser. We could yeah. make that happen. That could be a good uh, good event for Ken to host. So we had Peter Dorn on uh, over the summer, and he was telling us about the laser and how cool it was and how, how much it improved productivity for you guys. Because you guys can now, you can cut your own whitewoods, you can modify things in the matter of hours versus days or yes. minutes versus hours versus which blew my mind. Um, yes. So the capability of our machine shop has improved over the years that I've been at Jersey Jack. When I was doing Pirates of the Caribbean, we had a what's called a shop bot, which mm-hmm. is a CNC wood routing machine. So I can cut play fields on that without any issue. I can, I can do the shooter grooves and I can do all the holes and the cut throughs and, and all the different spotting holes and everything that a game designer could possibly need for a whitewood. Then we had our metal shop, and our metal shop had um, more basic tools, not basic, but not the most state-of-the-art. So in the creation of Pirates, I hand-fabricated every part we had, using a bandsaw, using a lathe, using a mill, uh, and a hole punch to create the different ball guides, flat rails, shafts, magnet cores, anything I needed to make, I was able to fabricate it there. Uh, Over the course of development time, uh, we invested in a laser, and this laser can cut quarter-inch thick steel plate. And with that laser, I can draw a part in SolidWorks and be holding it in my hand, ready to go into a game in under an hour. Previously, parts like, you know, the spinning disc bracket on Pirates. I remember one night I had to make one, and I stayed after hours to do it, and it took me six hours to make this thing because it had 54 holes in it and they all had some had to be tapped some had to be you know very precisely spotted that same bracket could be made on our laser in a minute and a half because it's so a little so more efficient fast. yes yes yeah uh, it just improves and allows a game designer to iterate and iteration is important in a game you make something you shoot something you think it's going to be the best thing ever and it doesn't shoot well or the mech doesn't quite work right, or oops, this coil's throw, you know, was a quarter inch shorter than the math said it should be for, oh, this reason. Okay, now it makes sense that I'm holding it in my hand, but no. I can go in the back, and now I can have a new one in an hour instead of three to six weeks, which is what it would take to get a part from an outside vendor. So it allows us to iterate, 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 make more parts, make new parts, better parts, quicker. It just makes for a better game. And that's kind of in your wheelhouse because, and I'm I'm tapping into a little bit of our personal relationship here. You're kind of a nerd. Can I say <laughs> that of. in a very Can I say that in a very loving way? You have created some amazing things using like home 3D printing and different things like that, and you've been very proud of the stuff that you've made. You you went to school though, and I I didn't realize this about you until we were talking in a previous discussion. You didn't go to school for this. You didn't go to school to make pinball machines. You went to school and you got your bachelor's in electrical engineering. You got your master's in mechanical engineering. You had no intention of, you weren't going to do this. I'm, I'm staring at the background and I see all these 
fancy lights from the entire JJP lineup. Right. This is not why you were doing this to begin with, though. No, it was my intention to not be in the coin-operated industry uh, because I grew up in that industry. I grew up working for my father's business, and since the age of seven, I had been working on games, working with my family in our route operation where we had over 100 arcades in the Wisconsin Dells, thousands of machines, and we would be working very, very long hours all the time. After school, weekends, all summer, you know, there weren't vacations. There was our family business. There were only five of us. Uh, sometimes there were six when we had a cousin that lived with us. These games didn't take care of themselves. So I had to learn how to fix all of these games. And I, you know, by the time I turned 18 and I was ready to go off to college, my father, you know, said, you don't have to go to college. You can work in this company forever. And then it'll be very good for you. And it, and it would have. And that's the path that my brother chose. And he now runs Kingpin Games, yep. owns Kingpin Games. My father is still very you, much involved. I was going to say, for those who do not know Chris at Kingpin, go harass him. He is great. I absolutely adore Chris. Yes. Uh, so the family business is still around and thriving. But I chose a different path. I chose to go out of CoinOp and go into electronics. And my master's degree focused on robotics. I was looking to get into the medical field to design prosthesis, and I did a master's thesis on a very intricate form of welding. Super, super nerdy stuff. And then I met Jack at the Midwest Gaming Classic in 2011 when he was launching Jersey Jack Pinball with the Wizard of Oz. And myself and my father and my brother were sitting there in the front row, and we all have a, a similar build. Um, so we were sitting there with our arms crossed in the front row watching this uh, salesman who was looking to, yes, looking to build this company. And my father's company at the time, Kingpin Games, signed on to be a distributor. And we bought games from Jack. Jack is a very good salesman. And he said he was looking for people to bring pinball back. And, you know, I talked to my dad and my brother after. I'm like, you know what? This whole master's degree thing and engineering school it's for the birds man i'm ready to do something else and i think i could <laughs> i could make a mark here uh in medical prosthesis i don't need to right. help people i'm gonna make games instead I'm gonna make games and really help people so i went to the room and i printed off my resume and i handed it to jack and he looked it over and he's like you are very overqualified for the positions <laughs> we have at Jersey Jack, but we'd love to have you on board, knowing that you're Norb's son and you grew up in this industry and you have a passion for, for arcade games, you would do well at Jersey Jack. And that was uh, that was about 11 years ago this month. So I, you are uh, one of the most tenured people at JJP. That is true. There is one person in the engineering office and in the, the Chicago area, who has been at Jersey Jack longer than me, and that is our head of software, that is Keith Johnson. Outside I've of heard that, of that name. Jack and Jen, and one tech uh, who works in our customer service department, who worked on our assembly line, managing our assembly line, his name is Ken Holland. Those people have been at Jersey Jack Pinball longer than me. But uh, in Chicago, I am one of the most tenured and it's it's been quite a ride seeing it grow from a, a Chicago office of four people to over 100 people that work at JJP now in our Chicago land factory. So I think that that's really cool, too, because like I, I didn't realize this about you, I guess just ignorance and, you know, time goes by. So you have only actually designed three games. 
Godfather was number three. You've done Pirates. You've done GNR. You've done Godfather. But you were involved in the electronics on Saladin, Hobbit, Wizard of Oz. So yes. you, you've been involved in everything, essentially, but Toy Story and Wonka. Uh, technically, I, I was involved with both of those. My name was in the credits on Wonka as the factotum. And uh, the vocabulary word for the day, factotum, is person who solves problems. So when I have a problem with my Wonka, I know whose name to cuss. Perfect. Because yes. I've been yes. screaming Joe Cat's name when I play that game. So <laughs> it gives me something new to uh, yell. And as far as Toy Story, you know, I would I would play the rules. I would discuss the rules. I would sit in Joe's office as he was developing things and shoot them with him. And it's very good to have another talented player play a game as you're developing something. So like I'd be able to play Joe's rules and he'd be able to look at the screen and be like, oh, there's something that needs to tweak here or... You know, I think it might be more fun watching the way you play uh, if we did X, Y and Z, you know, slightly different than the way he plays and very different than the way, you know, Peter Dorn plays, um, mm-hmm. giving being able to provide that feedback. So I was talented, involved, play, so. talented players, huh? Yes. You, you know, I'm going to go here. <laughs> I set you up for this one, didn't you? I? did. You did. And I'm going to go ahead and just uh, just going to take it and run with it. Expo. I was very excited. Again, you guys are approachable. You guys are so approachable. And I love that. We threw some dollars on the glass on Pirates. Yes. And I framed my dollars from you and Joe Katz. Thank you guys for that donation. Mm -hmm. Um, Ladies and gentlemen, do not play Joe Katz and Wonka. Don't, don't do it. (laughs) Don't, don't, don't do it. It's embarrassing. Oh, it's embarrassing. I thought losing to Keith Elwin was bad. Don't do it. Like, yeah. Joe Katz is a monster on that game. I, I also was talking to Bill and BD and Courtney Bowman on Flipping Out. You guys streamed Godfather on Friday night mm-hmm. um, last week. And apparently you came out a couple dollars richer, too. <laughs> they were saying that you were kicking butt on this. Obviously, your game. Obviously, you know the rules and you've been flipping this game now for two years. But it was something that they were, like, watching him play. He was like a kid. You, you were happy playing it. Yeah. So so going back into that time machine, you get this this license. You know, I'm coming up to you, Eric. I have Godfather. I'm going to make you an offer that you can't refuse. You know, mm-hmm. here's Godfather. Mm-hmm. It's not a theme that necessarily translates into pinball. When we think pinball, we think rock concert. We think high energy action. Lots of, you know, lots of memorable scenes if it's movie based, not necessarily Godfather, where it was a lot of drama and a lot of dialogue. So how was Mm -hmm. that for you to translate into a game? Well, there is a lot of action that happens in the theme, right? The idea of uh, the mafia, Cosa Nostra, the mob, whatever, whatever name you apply to them. There's a lot of excitement and energy and tension that happens. Uh, the Godfather did focus on drama, did do a lot of dialogue, did do a lot of discussion, but there were some iconic scenes. There were some high action moments and that people remember. You know, the the toll booth scene with Sonny and Apollona's car exploding and the shootout scene in the in Louis Italian restaurant. Taking these iconic moments, I mean the baptism is one of the most iconic scenes ever recorded in cinematic history. Taking those moments and putting them in a pinball machine was, of course, we have to do this. But how else do we flesh out the story, right? Because 
we can't just tell the story of the movie that would not um, keep the player vested or interested. So we had to come up with our own story and tell more of what the mafia was doing. Talk about the illicit crimes they're doing and the turf war expansion that they're doing and protecting their compound or their estate from enemies as they're encroaching. So I wanted to build those concepts into the game. You're constantly struggling and vying for power with the other families. So the idea of, okay, we're definitely going to be fighting other families. How do we incorporate that into the game? And, you know, influence and power is what the mafia is all about. Being able to rule and control because of the threat or the promises they make to others. So wanted to have this influence measurement that can be built in the game. And then, of course, the different weapons that they would use. The, you know, if you want to keep something low key, you're using handheld. Quieter. Weapons. You're not going right. to you're not going to go after them with a Tommy gun for that. Exactly. Um, so we built these different play field multipliers that are based on weapons. And so there's, you know, low impact, non-fatal weapons that you can choose from all the way up to, you know, Tommy guns and Molotov cocktails for really high damage and high point value play field multipliers. So getting these different resources that the mob uses and exploits, uh, I wanted to get those incorporated into the game. So there's a lot of intricacies in managing these different resources, your territories and your illegal ventures and your influence and your weapons. Do you need to know the intricacies of all those things to play this game? No. Most people are going to play this game. They're going to whack the big bad guy in the middle. They're going to be flailing around, and during so, they're going to be collecting these ventures, and they're going to be starting a multi-ball. Where they, how did they start it? They probably don't know, but they did. And they're hey, going to play me. and have fun. <laughs> right. Shoot the, what is it? Shoot the lit things and keep the, uh, the round rolly thing above the flappy things, right? You got it. That is pinball. That's- in a nutshell. See, listen, I can do this. I can make games. Mm-hmm. So you you guys had great relationships with Paramount. You used all three of the movies. Yes. But as you said, you had to add a little bit of substance to make it playable and not playable once, but playable multiple times. This is a game that you want people to walk up to regardless of skill level and hit start and play it. And if they're really, really good, you want them to get mad and come back because there's so many rules. Like there's just so many paths. This is a choose your own adventure game. It absolutely is. Really choose it. Or if you're like me and you're like, I kind of get the basics, but listen, I have to remember to get milk tomorrow morning at the grocery store. So I'm not going (laughs) to remember all of the rules of all of the families. So Mm -hmm. I need to know like, you know, broader level. How did you guys add that substance to the game? So we wanted Something that I've always wanted to do is, and have done in the games I've created, is make it so there's more than one way to play the game. Uh, I I hate playing in a tournament where every single person is going to play the game the exact same way. Uh, to me, that's boring. It's boring mm-hmm. game design. What I wanted to do is, one, make it so there's multiple ways to play the game, but two, force people to learn how to play the game in different ways. Because... You can't choose the same family as another player. If the player one chooses Corleones, you have to choose the Strazis or or the Tetalias, or you have to choose another family. No one can play the same family. So there's normally when you're playing in a tournament, you want to go last. That is just the 
sweet spot where you know exactly what you can do. You can maybe ball steal. You can, you know, the table is kind of set for you. In Godfather and in Pirates of the Caribbean, there is a benefit to going first. You get to choose the family or the character that you want to play as. If you have a certain play style, maybe you focus on multi-balls or you would choose this family. If you focus on modes and being able to complete them and having you know intense single ball play sessions you would choose this family if you're really good at combos and you can rake in the rewards from doing combos you would choose this family um there's benefits and and drawbacks to each family but you have to have multiple play styles under your belt if you're playing the godfather in a competition so you compare it kind of to pirates and i know just because i have not had the pleasure of playing godfather yet and i'm very upset about that i i can't wait to put hands on it next week at tpf uh you better show me how to play this game eric i will do be that. i promise freaking out yeah if i don't beat my husband he's coming home with you um, <laughs> But you you say you mentioned kind of the comparison of pirates where you're only one character per person. So like my daughter and I would fight. She always wants to be the girl. Mm-hmm. She doesn't care who it is. She just wants to be a girl. Mm-hmm. And and that's kind of how we got to the point where I was like, okay, well, I'll be Will. Or she didn't really love Tia Dama because she associated her as the crab lady yes. from the movies, which is fine. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, so I was good with those. But in pirates there was a benefit to going last because then you collect your gold and I can plunder your gold. I can plunder your character. I can plunder your ball. So pirates, you have the ability to do all sorts of cool things. You can plunder, you can steal, you can pillage. Gangsters, you would think you can do the same thing. How much of that is incorporated in Godfather? There are territories you can steal from other players as you're playing. Uh, there were original concepts that I had for actively fighting against other families, against actively, you know, what happens if your capital regime is taken out. Um, Keith and I had lots of discussions about the depth of these rules and how, you know, maybe that was going slightly overboard. Um, but there is comparisons between players of who took over the most territories who killed the most bad guys, who hired the most soldiers, and those kind of things are calculated and go into various bonus counters. So you're not actively stealing points or um, most things from other people, but when you play your turf war and they play their turf war, there's one map and everyone's trying to vie for the same territories on that map. So You're establishing your dominancy. You absolutely are. And you get bonuses based on if you have complete control over a borough, if you have control over more than one borough. So you're building this resource into your bonus. Uh, And if I steal all your territories, you're not getting anything in your bonus for for the territories. Let's just plan for that then. So when we're playing (laughs) Texas, that's probably what's going to happen. I'll bring your dollar back. This game was different because of all of the games you've worked on. This was not a wide body. Well, GNR wasn't a wide body either. Well, it wasn't, but this game seems to be packed a little bit more. How many pieces are in GNR? Total parts. Mm. There are 2,807 pieces. Okay, so 2,807 pieces in GNR. Do you remember how many off the top of your head in Pirates? 
3,169. Okay. So how many are in Godfather? 4,501. That's a lot of pieces. That is a lot of pieces. That is a lot, a lot of pieces. The fact that you put a thousand more pieces almost in Godfather than Pirates. Mm-hmm. With not it's as up. much room. Yes. That game's packed. There's a lot of stuff in there. There's a lot of stuff in this game. I mean, all there's, the diverters. There's yeah. a lot of lights. There's definitely a lot of lights. Uh, I think I read, uh, what was it, 450 individually controlled LEDs? Um, a limited edition, yes. And the collector's okay. edition has hundreds more. And then let's not talk about the topper. <laughs> or we can talk about the topper. Zach, many would get mad at me if I don't talk about the topper. Let's talk about this topper. All right. This topper. So I find it absolutely hilarious. I was out on my assembly line today, and we have collector's editions that are going to Texas. And we're building them on the assembly line. And I'm working with one of the employees on the assembly line as she is building the topper. And she's like, okay, well, Mr. Eric, I have I have built Mario and I have built Luigi and now I'm building the car. <laughs> and I'm like, did you name the Mario and Luigi? She's like, I, I don't know what to call them. I'm like, that's their names now. Like that is yeah. stuck. That is permanent. They, that is they need fantastic. name tags with PPF. <laughs> yes, yes. Uh, it made me it made me very happy. Uh, that is that, fantastic. That topper alone has. Oh, let's see here. I'm gonna actually count through it. So each bad guy is made up of seven individually sculpted parts. Okay. So okay. 14 parts because we have two bad guys. Right. And then plus the two motors and the uh-huh. two brackets and all the screws that hold them together. Mm-hmm. So each bad guy is a minimum of 20 parts, probably closer to okay. 24. Okay. Uh, the car itself has two brackets, two lights, and about 14 screws that hold that all together. There's an LED strip that has 30 individually controllable RGB LEDs. There's uh, lights in the bad guys, uh, right underneath the bad guys, look like muzzle flash. And there's one, two, three pieces of acrylic that are printed that have light strips underneath them that are all controllable. And uh, there's a laser cut piece of sheet metal that's powder coated black that has the city skyline against the red backdrop. And then the, the floor that's underneath the car is a piece of um, printed plastic as well. So probably 100 plus pieces in just the topper. Just the topper. And this the topper is exclusive to the CEs. That is correct. Okay. 1,000 CEs, 5,000 LEs. Yep. And then you're done. Mm-hmm. With the increase in parts i thought this was really cool and you guys feel free to email me pinball or briefly pinball podcast at gmail.com hashtag i don't really care what your opinion is you guys added a lot of parts to a game and didn't change the price going from toy story to this i know that that was a huge thing when you guys went to a a a two level run versus three Mm -hmm. um 
obviously things are hard to get right now in general. Like you can't buy groceries for the price you used to be able to pay. So in the two years you've been working in this game, cost has gone up. It has significantly. And just to, to kind of set the table here, I ordered a lot of these parts a year ago. I released parts last March for a lot of these items because they're very long lead time, especially with the way that the world has been working, you know, electronics and injection molded parts and, you know, like the sculptures, those things take a very long time to receive and to vet and to make sure they are, they are correct as we originally designed and intended them to be. Um, So yeah, March of 22 is when I had released parts for this game and getting them in-house has been it's just just the way the world is at this point and thankfully things are getting a little better we're getting better lead times but we were talking you know 26 28 weeks for parts to arrive uh, when normally those things are you know back in the good old days they were like six weeks to get these parts that's insane to me because for perspective coming from my background of healthcare, a full-term pregnancy is 40 weeks so you guys got halfway through and then some a pregnancy, a viable pregnancy is 22 weeks. You could have had a baby at the time it took you to get parts. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't have suggested, but you could have. <laughs> that, that blows my mind. I, I applaud you guys for, and this was something Peter brought up too, that you guys do things, you know, obviously there's a business. You guys don't work for free. So thank you for honoring the pricing, regardless mm-hmm. of the bomb, because obviously each piece costs more money mm-hmm. but let's talk about the talent behind it this was something that i was very excited about because you were very excited that you were releasing a new game yes and i think you're very excited about your next game too that nobody knows about and i don't care about because i'm still excited about this one i want to play this one mm-hmm. and you're excited mm-hmm. about your last game and everything like that but one of the things you told me was you're excited about the sound on this game the music you yes. you were involved in in band you were a performer you dabbled in singing and that was something you got to kind of revisit i was able to to work with uh some extremely talented musicians um slash being one of them uh, he recorded speak softly love for us in his home studio and took a selfie video with his with his phone as he was doing it, and then sent us the high resolution files. <laughs> the potato cam. <laughs> the high resolution audio files, and then working with Mark Tremonti, who has just awesome talent when it comes to guitar, but he's so, multifaceted. Very and, the, multifaceted. and for those who who are not familiar with Mark Tremonti, um, he was in this one band called Creed. Mm-hmm. You guys might have heard of him before he's in a band called Tremani and also Alterbridge, very, very talented individual. He did another thing. He did do another thing. And so his thing, uh, he was raising money for charity or a no, very noble cause. And his charity is called Take a Chance, Take a Chance for Charity. And what it did is he encouraged performers to step out of their comfort zone and do something they normally wouldn't do, perform in a way they normally wouldn't. And so Mark, uh, always one to put his money where his mouth is, just fantastic guitar player. Mark put on a suit and he hired the Frank Sinatra band 
the original members that toured with Frank Sinatra, and he put together an album where Mark himself was singing as Frank and did covers of, I think, 12 different Sinatra songs. Mm -hmm. And he was sending me these songs as he was recording them. And this was about a year and a half ago. And it got me thinking, because I know Mark, because of his obsession with pinball, um, you know, how awesome it would be to collaborate with Mark on this game. There was a lot of conflict and a lot of intermingling of Frank Sinatra with the Godfather movie. There was some some interactions there that if you dig into the history of the franchise and, and Frank's involvement or his push against the film, there was definitely some heat and tension between the Godfather and Frank Sinatra. But hearing Mark sing Sinatra... I asked him if he wanted to record Speak Softly, Love, and he did. He said, Eric, I want to take it a step further. I want to do something that's never been done in pinball before. I want to take it to the Jersey Jack level that you guys take everything. Would we be able to do a full recording with a full orchestra? And I'll get the guy who did the composition for all of Frank's stuff for me to sing, and he'll compose and arrange the the pieces and he'll get all the people organized so i said absolutely let's do it we got a 40 member orchestra to come together in chicago last april Um, they recorded the string section they recorded the horn section they recorded the timpanis and the rest of the percussion they laid down all those tracks and then mark stepped up to the mic and he sang speak softly love and for each stanza he did you know four or five takes and then afterwards, we got to do the the mixing where we would mm-hmm. here, take one, here, take two, here, take three, here, take four. OK, I like to take three here because it sounded you know interesting. It was it was surreal to be sitting on this couch and the arranger is sitting across from us and the, the mixer um, is sitting here and Mark is sitting here and Ken Cromwell is sitting over here. And all of our uh, listeners visualize that really well based on your hand motion. Yes, right? <laughs> so we're in this small there room. We're room. all hanging out. Yeah. And we're going through and we're picking which track, you know, we all liked best. And Mark was asking my opinion, you know, do you like number six? Do you like number seven? And I was like holding up my fingers like, well, I think you hear it, you hear it, you hear it. Okay, I think I like this one. And then I liked this one. And we play them back. And that's kind of how the... The song gets generated. It's like the the eye doctor. Yes. One or two. Yeah. Three or four. Mm -hmm. And so we went through the entire song. And as Mark was recording it, before we got to the mixing session, once Mark finished up, he's like, all right, Eric, it's your chance. Take a (laughs) chance for charity. So did you take a chance for charity, Eric? I did. (gasps) Proof. And I stepped up to the microphone and I performed Speak Softly Love. And I do have that song. And there will be some social media pushes with that song um, that will be coming very soon. And so I am very excited about it. So, of course, I'm very excited about the game, right? The game is my passion. The game is the thing that I've spent two years making. Releasing, having a song 
that I sang available to uh, to the audience is something that is a bit surreal. So it is in the game now. It, it is so it is. Easter egg. It is an Easter egg in the game. Um, we had a joke. You're known for putting extras in your games with flipper codes. Mm-hmm. And I think one of the things that that kind of historically I've always picked on you at even before, but but more so now is you're known for your social media pictures. You're very involved in the social media that is shared on JJP. And a lot of the pictures are Eric in a cabinet, <laughs> mm-hmm. which which is nice to know because I live in Florida. Like which one would work best in a hurricane during flooding that I'm going to float away on? Mm-hmm. It's, I need my pirates back. It came with a cannon. Um, But I digress. So I had always joked with you, you know, hey, if you ever sit in a game, put a flipper code in. And one of the cool things that you already do that you kind of carried on, I believe it was from Pat Lawler, is you sign the bottom of game one. Yes. First game off the line. Mm -hmm. So we need these flipper codes because you always have such cool stuff added. To it, I know you showed us some stuff during the um, the Expo tailgate party the year before last or last year. I don't remember which because they kind of both were a blur mm-hmm. with GNR. It's mm-hmm. such a cool thing. But this is big. Like, this is you performing because you're not necessarily known for singing on your games. Like, mm. that's not a thing yet. Yeah. Correct. Yet. yet. Yes. Uh-huh. I also think it's kind of cool for those who don't know this. Um, Mark Tremonti is not new to Jersey Jack Pinball. No. He uh, mm. he did the attraction mode, correct? He did. Yeah, on that game sitting behind you, you can hear Mark Tremonti playing guitar. That, that one right there that everybody mm. can see. No, on mm. uh, Wizard of Oz on the attraction. Right. right. He did, so he did the guitar. Mark has been friends with Jack for over twenty years. They. You know, got linked up back when Jack was running PinballSales.com and Mark was in Creed and, you know, Mark was performing somewhere, uh, Madison Square Garden or something. And he met up with Jack and Jack sold him some games and they've been great friends ever since. And they've been friends the whole time. And when Jack asked Mark, you know, hey, I need some uh, track mode music for my game, some good guitar, you know, Mark sent it over. Uh, glad to be a part of it whatever you guys need and so yeah you can hear that if you turn on your any jjp game and there's a setting called attract mode music and you turn that on it's off by default and there's a reason it's off by default uh, it plays that is, when you walk by <laughs> exactly games games that make noise all the time get shut off when they're in a bar right it's it's 2 30 on a thursday and nobody is drinking except for me in the bar. <laughs> so the bartender doesn't want to just sit there and hear the same attract mode music over and over and over again. But so she if asks you're you like, to get the key and go turn it off. Oh, right. Yeah. If you're like most homeowners, you turn your game on, you let it on for a party for the night. Having a track mode music isn't really that big of a deal. Yeah. Um, so. I'd recommend turning it on and hearing Mark's sick riff as he tears up the Jersey Jack soundtrack. It, it's pretty cool. We've we've actually done it just to see because 
I am a fan of March Money, um, and I was not aware of that until you educated me on that. I thought that was cool. The other thing I thought that was really cool with the music on this is you didn't really have to twist Slash's arm to get involved in this, <laughs> which is good because he needs both of them. Yes. Yes. Yeah, Slash, when I told him we were doing Godfather, you know, he volunteered. Eric, I have to do the music for you. But it's not his first encounter with that. Like, that's kind of his thing. For those of us who have not been able to see Guns N' Roses in concert, Mm. I didn't realize Flash does a rendition of this every concert. In almost every show. And I've seen him do it uh, for Guns N' Roses. I've also seen him do it uh, when he's performing with Miles Kennedy with Slash and the Conspirators. he loves the Godfather and the theme, and he has this fantastic stage lighting when he does it. Uh, and he's just, that song is so iconic. And when he plays it, it sounds awesome. So he actually did two versions mm-hmm. for us for the game. He did the slow, traditional version, and then he did a fast-paced, high-energy version of Speak Softly Love, um, which is also in the game. You will hear it. If you ever reach the wizard mode, kiss the ring. Ooh. Mm-hmm. Take the glass off, reach the wizard <laughs> mode. Got it. Or you can press in the flipper code and you can hear <laughs> Okay, either one. Just write the flipper code down for me because I don't remember things. I am very, very stoked. You guys are going to be at TPF. You're going to have the game there. Mm-hmm. What else are you guys going to have? Because we've all... We're coming back to normal still. I feel like we're not quite there yet. Mm-hmm. So so you guys have had a couple of games come out since then. Like this. So in our booth, we will have, I think we'll have 10 Godfathers. I think we'll have two or three GNRs and I think two or three Toy Stories. Okay. So you're not willing to give up any more money on pirates. Got it. Okay. Mm-hmm. Good to know. I won't bring you that much cash. Um, <laughs> you're going to be there. I will be there. Um, uh, I know Franchi's going to be there. Franchi will be there. So the Jersey Jack panel is six o'clock on Friday night. Uh, it will be myself, Mr. Franchi, uh, Mr. Jack Boneri, and Mr. Bill Grupp, who's one of the senior programmers at Jersey Jack. Uh, mm-hmm. He did a lot of work on The Godfather. Uh, also in attendance at TPF will be the one and only Mr. Ken Cromwell and Mr. Mike Fox from Jersey Jack. They'll be in the booth most of the time, uh, talking to customers, interacting, telling people how to play the game. I will also be in the booth as much as possible, uh, but I tend to get pulled in a lot of directions at these shows. So. Fair enough. Fair enough. I I will recommend, guys, these guys are super busy and they are getting pulled in so many directions and and talk to while they're setting up. So if you're there and you notice an issue with your game, like you score legitimate zero points on a game after ball three, tell somebody so they can pull the foam off of the top. <laughs> I, I am so I felt so bad for Ken because I had distracted him last year when we were setting up and we were mm-hmm. there. Um, TPM was setting up a booth too. So yeah, uh, Travis Mary, you ain't got nothing on me, buddy. Um, <laughs> I'm excited. 
I I can't wait to see it. I can't wait to see you guys because I absolutely love seeing you guys like you and Ken and Mike Fox and just everybody from the JJP family. You guys are so much fun to to hang out with. You have such a huge presence where you go. Your your displays are amazing. Your setups are amazing. You guys come say hi. Absolutely. Like he only looks intimidating. He's not that intimidating. Come say hi. Now but realistically, though, how what do you enjoy about the fan interaction on it? Like, do you enjoy when people come up and say hi? Do you enjoy when they say, hey, let's play around? Do you enjoy when they come up and say, well, I don't really like this or not? You know, like what what does it bring you, Eric? I love all fan interactions. One of the this is not how do I say this? Eloquently, preferably. I will try to say it eloquently. Am I the best pinball player in the world? No, I am no. not. Right. I'm pretty good. <laughs> You're okay. I can I can hold my own against most. But yourself included, if you ever beat me on my own game, that's a memory <laughs> that you will have, right? So I I get beat at my own game all the time. I saw Carl play this game like three days after launch. He's doing things that I can't do on my own. Oh, wait, wait, wait. No, such a Carl player. D'Angelo? Yes. No, no. He's on a different level, dude. He is. So you and I are on like level three of life and he's on like level 15. <laughs> he is a machine. Yes. Oh, my gosh. He's awesome. But no, you're right, because it, it is he, watching those guys play is a different world. Right. So when I play against people. And they beat me. It's like, it's no skin off my back. You know, I'm glad that we got to play a game together. You got mm-hmm. to enjoy it. You got to have it. And now you have a memory. You beat the designer at his own game. That's fun. My name's on too. it. My name's on it for a day. Your name is on it forever. Sure. Right. Um, I also, you know, some of the most impactful memories I've had is when people are, you know, I got this Guns N' Roses game and... You know, my my 16-year-old son and I aren't super close, right? He's got his own things going on. But when I got that game, we played together for an entire night, and it was one of the best nights of my life. When someone told me that, I had a tear in my eye. I mean, it was such an impactful moment hearing what I created and how it how it helped someone, how it improved their family, um, and the fact that he was willing to share that with me. I mean... I can't think of a better reason for doing this stuff. When when customers and fans tell me about the impact these games have in their life, it makes it all worth it. It's it's so rewarding. It's a pretty cool hobby. Like I said, you were so impactful, not anywhere near the extent of that person. Mine was surely I just wanted to beat my husband. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, I still talk to him even when he wins sometimes, but... <laughs> My name's on most of the games now, so because nice. he doesn't have time. But no, it's it's something that I think is really cool, and I just I I love the fact that you realize what you do. You have a role in this world, and you've ran with it, and you've made a difference, and you've you've had this impact on so many people in so many places. You're humbled by it. You're still making amazing things happen. It's kind of cool that you get to talk to Slash on a regular basis. It's kind of <laughs> cool that you get to hang out with Mark Tremonti. Like, I'm a little jealous. Oh, man. But 
but you still get to come back and your next game is going to be better than the last game, which was better than the last game, which was better than the last game. And they're all really good games. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then you have children and you I get do. to say, daddy did this. Mm-hmm. And then your kids can either say, well, that's great. Or make me some mac and cheese, you know? Yes. Yes. It's, it's very rewarding. I, I remember when we went to Interium, which is a, a huge arcade in Schoenberg, Illinois, about 15 minutes from my office. This was the first day that Toy Story 4 had been on location. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, okay, I'm going to show my kids toys. We went to this huge <laughs> arcade, right? And I'm like, look, guys, it's Toy Story 4. And they walk over. They're like, oh, ticket games. And they just bolted in another direction because <laughs> pinball to them. Oh, yeah, we've got we've got 12 pinball machines in the basement. Who cares about pinball when I can go play, you know, gigantic whack-a-mole. <laughs> right. right. So they definitely oh, yeah. keep, keep you humbled. That's for sure. They do. They do. Well, I will say my child is a huge fan of yours. She was very upset when we sold our pirates. She is still <laughs> mad at Michael. Oh, honey, puberty's gonna be hard for you, babe. I'm sorry, I love you. <laughs> and and she always tells me all the time. She's like, "Mommy, ask Mr. Eric if he'll sell us his pirates." I have seven dollars. <laughs> like, baby, I don't think he's gonna sell pirates number one for seven dollars, but I'll ask him. Mm-hmm. And you always very politely say, "No, no, thank you." No, no, it's it's not worth getting up the stairs in the basement on that. So it's yeah. it's cool. But we we appreciate you. I know I appreciate you as a designer, as an ambassador for this hobby, as a friend, as somebody that is such a great resource. Thank you so, so much. Um, thank you for your time. Thank you for your energy. Thank you for just doing what you do. And as somebody in the medical field, thank you for not going into medical medical prosthesis. Like this is way, <laughs> way cooler. <laughs> well, I'm I'm glad it's it's a very rewarding career path that I'm on, and it's uh can be a lot of fun. Most days it doesn't feel like a job, and I you know most people couldn't ask for more than that. Hey, you know if you do what you love, you never work a day in your life. So sometimes mm-hmm. some of us have to work a week a year, and some of us have to work a lot more a year (laughs) god this week is fact so eric thank you so much for joining i really appreciate it i appreciate you jumping on i know that bill had some obligations that um kind of disrupted this recording this evening so thanks for spending some time with me and hanging out i cannot wait until next week i'm very 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 stoked to play this game it's going to be a I blast. Have expectations. High ex- Dude, they're up here. They're like way up here. Expectations mm-hmm. now. So don't let me down. I will not disappoint. I promise. I will show you the game firsthand. Pinky swear. All right, everybody. Eric, where can fans reach you if they want to reach out, touch base, have questions? Nice question. You guys, um, do not badger this guy. He's a good guy. I am around on social media, on Facebook. You, if you have questions or feedback, you can ping the Jersey Jack Facebook page, and I generally get those messages passed on to me. Uh, if you have issues with your games, for whatever reason, big or small, you can reach out to support at jerseyjackpinball.com. They'll help you answer any questions. Um, we have a Twitter handle. Uh, if there are software bugs that you'd like to report, you can do that. And, you know, 
I had someone write me a letter, and they sent it to me uh, about the launch of my new game. So if you want to send a letter... To, like with a stamp? Like with a stamp. So oh. 1850 Greenleaf Avenue in Elk Grove Village, Illinois. That is the address of the Jersey Jack Pinball Factory. And what is the zip code, just in case we have any old schools? 60007. <laughs> um, awesome. If you want to come by for a tour... Just uh, reach out to Ken in advance. Reach out to our Facebook page or through Instagram. Uh, send a direct message. And if you want to come by for a tour, if I'm available, I'm happy to show people around the the chocolate factory. You know, it's I feel like Willy Wonka walking through there sometimes and have to stop myself from doing cartwheels. You got a golden ticket? Yes. Nice. Nice. Well, we appreciate it. Thank you so much again for joining us. I, I'm stoked to see you in person next week. Um, as always, we're happy to connect you guys with these individuals that we interview. I mean, Eric Manier is an awesome one. Freeplaypinballpodcast at gmail.com. Facebook is the easiest way to get a hold of us because I don't Instagram because I forgot my password. Um, so <laughs> I'm going to be honest. And honestly, like Bill has the email password too so facebook is the best way but reach out like direct message uh engage in the page tell us what you want to hear and what you want to see we love talking to you guys and we love how awesome you are eric and how awesome peter was and other industry individuals are i need to get jean paul on here Absolutely. He is fantastic for you guys who are not familiar jean paul dewin he does a lot of the animation for jjp fantastic individual go back check out the expo tailgate show from last year it's fantastic but yeah thank you i appreciate you everybody have an amazing night and we'll check you out on the next show